Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of a new kind of celebrity. This episode is called Bookmarks and has a different format. We believe that learning and inspiration gets consolidated when we make connections, discuss insights and experiences. So after every 5 episodes, I'd love to have a conversation with a dear friend and discuss the notes that we bookmarked from the different episodes. We'll discuss patterns, aha moments and things we found interesting. If you haven't heard any episode till now, this is a great place to start and get a quick overview of the insights of the past episodes. Welcome back Kanika into the new year and our first bookmarks for this new year. So what did you think of the last 5 episodes? Thank you Venal. The last 5 episodes, you know, I I thought there was a new flavor to the five conversations this time. They were diverse, they were different from what we've heard in the last couple of seasons, so I really enjoyed them. Awesome. And anything specific that stood out to you that is on your mind for us to chat about? Actually many things, but I think I'll start with one thing that stood out to me in more than one episode was just this idea that people who are on the margins or if the society thinks of someone as disadvantaged or on the margins and how if you pull up the right lens they're at the end of the day humans and what they need are things that both of us need or all of us need is just love care respect attention sometimes something as small as just feeling wanted i think mohammad tariq spoke about that joyita mandal spoke about her own journey I also think uh, Naresh touched upon that aspect of his own life and an acceptance in the community. So that theme sort of stood out for me. Yeah, definitely. I think the respect piece quite strongly came across in multiple episodes as well. I also felt like another pattern I saw was just the power of education. I think it came in in different ways in different episodes. So Naresh spoke about it in really wanting to learn English in his episode and his conviction on trying to build that and find ways to learn that so that he can move up and get better and better jobs. I think obviously Erin Ganju her work with Room to Read that she founded is education so it was like the whole episode was about that but also Joyita Mandal it came across really strongly with her wanting to go back to study and then finishing a course and she spoke quite explicitly about how they would talk about that being like helping them like move to the next level and it came out also in Virin Raskwinas episode where he was talking about balancing sports and education so i think just the value and importance of education as a means to move forward really seemed to come out in many episodes yeah and education of different kinds right i think that was also really interesting how different people saw education giving them different things and leading them to different places yeah another sort of big not a theme but another sort of question that came to my mind while i was listening to all these people was all of them in their work are working towards some kind of social change some kind of impact that they want to see hmm. right but all of them had such different approaches hmm. uh, for example erin ganju very emphatically spoke about you know she says go big or go home right hmm. for her impact means scaling it to many countries it means reaching out to as many children as as she can hmm. uh, whereas for anarish social impact means what does my community need and how am i going to make that work and if that means 50 people need 
an Aadhaar card right now. How am I going to make that happen? And parallelly, Joyita is talking about impact in the way future generations will see communities differently. So I think all of them had very different lenses. Hmm. Mohammad Tariq, for example, was talking about sort of activating the system and working very closely with the system. Where hmm. I think there's a point in the episode where he describes how he worked with the authorities to help expedite processes in the court without having to wait for an army of lawyers who will one day arrive and a problem will get solved. How can you rope in other stakeholders like other non-profits maybe in the system? So all of them had unique ways of thinking about impact and unique ways of working on it. And when you hear them all, you truly see that no one way is right or wrong or bigger or smaller. Yeah, I think also just in their way of how they solve certain problems. So what you spoke about with Mohammad Tariq and just really thinking so creatively and taking so much ownership to say, we have to make sure that these people who are in these beggary homes get legal aid and I'll do whatever it takes and whatever conversation needs to happen, provide the solutions to make sure that happens. And I think similar, Naresh Sajapati spoke about it a lot in his solutions, like the number of different initiatives, right, from a Momo King to setting up like bank accounts to Aadhaar cards to just the different ways in which he looked at providing support. And also, I think with Viren Rasquina, when he was talking about Mericom's journey, and he said something about having you know, equivalent sparring partners to prepare you for that competition. If you're not like competing with equally strong competitors, it inhibits how much you're prepared for the actual Olympics and how they solve for that creatively with having like male sparring partners because they couldn't find the right ones for her in in her gender. So I think that was very interesting to see how all of them were so focused on what they wanted to solve for and just found very creative ways to get there. Yeah. And some of the things that people say, tell you about how their mind works, right? I remember Mohammed Tariq at one point says, I'm not famous, 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 I'm not famous. It tells you so much about how he approaches problems and solutions, right? That I will yeah. try this, it doesn't work, that's fine. I'll try something else. Yeah, absolutely. And it was also just the kind of impact, I think, each of these organizations and individuals have had, I left most conversations just really mind blown, right? We spoke a little bit about Mohammad Tariq and his work with like homelessness, but also I was thinking about Olympic Gold Quest and with Viren Rasquina and the fact that almost 50% of the medals that were won in the Olympics and the Paralympics were athletes who were supported by OGQ. I thought that was pretty phenomenal. And I think similarly, when I was thinking about Erin Ganju and her talking about Room to Read, I think just seeing how they scaled the quality impact to like 15 different countries and still customized it as per like local context, I found that also pretty incredible. Yeah. Erin Ganju said something which I think will stay with me in the future was, you know, when she's talking about scaling a program like Room to Read, she said, you have to see fundraising as a fuel and not as a dirty work. And that Mm. everybody in the organization needs to know how to tell the story of what you do. Yeah, I thought it was such an interesting, really simple thing. 
but it changes the narrative of what fundraising means to many of us right whoever has ever been involved in fundraising will know <laughs> what yeah. she meant absolutely and contrasting with that like i think it was so fascinating when naresh was he was talking about his revenue model and then when i asked him why didn't you do fundraising you know and he's like i didn't know that that word even existed till a few years ago and i found that very fascinating for some of us who have joined like more established ngos let's say early in our career it's just a norm right that if you're a non-profit organization you fundraise but if you don't know that concept you may think about it so differently and saying how do i become self sustaining how do i figure out my revenue channel which gives so much more independence to the organization yeah and you can tell by the way the examples that narish was using you could also tell that the markers of growth and success for him and his work were very different like for example while he's telling his own story of growth he's talking about really small seemingly small markers of you know being able to take a flight as a marker of success or uh, yeah. being able to use a laptop as a marker yeah. of success and so you see that his mental model of you know what success growing an organization self growth all of that look very different from some of the ways we think in yeah i think you and i at least think it yeah yeah so i think another thing with mohammad tariq that really stood out was when he spoke about how he used different strategies with the staff who were you know in charge of the beggary home and he spoke about using sports as a way to sort of reduce violence and integrate and get the inmates and the staff to play together and how that led to them viewing each other differently and it really made me think about how things like that are so needed in our today's society where we're just looking at creating more division and how simple things like sports can actually just integrate us so much more whether it's at school or in wider communities yeah and he had a very i thought a very simple lens and a framework right of just like humanizing every person yeah whether it was the people who were living in in the homes or it was the authorities who were responsible for it or the guard who was supposed to open the door for them he just humanized everybody right like treat them as humans and they all need the same thing care attention respect i thought that was very interesting to me yeah also virin in his conversation you know speaks about supporting long journeys hmm. and especially in sports i think he he gives various examples of also because how do you give infrastructural support to somebody like uh, you know an archer who needs an equipment of 4 lakhs rupees to start with to be you know able to compete at a later point but that thought i thought was very important and just struck to me because in today's times we're always looking for quick wins how do we do a course and how do we get the best job how do we do x and exponentially grow after that what he said really sort of stayed hmm. with me yeah and on that note of you know long journeys figuring out how to support people I really want to discuss one piece that Jovita mentioned in her conversation where she spoke at the end her one request was that she felt like we needed reservations for transgender across education across employment and I know reservation can tend to be a very controversial and hotly debated topic but would love to hear your thoughts on sort of that request that came from her Well uh, I think it is it is a topic that every Indian I think has an opinion on as soon as people get into college that becomes a reality that everybody is sort of faced with and hence has an opinion so 
honestly venal i i don't know how to respond to this in a yes or no i don't think reservations in this country right now is at a point where one can say the answer is yes or no because the government the state already has implemented reservations in in various forms in the country right whether it's higher education or government jobs or you know whether it's a you know seat in a panchayat election you have reservations of various kinds so mm. i think it's no longer such a clean debate of whether reservations in this country is purely an affirmative action hmm. there it is a political tool also hmm. in this country hmm. and therefore to answer this question so easily i think is is not fair hmm. while i see that reservation is important i mean one if you ask me i think one can quote many researchers and data points which will tell you how it it does have a positive impact on the community that it's trying to serve and yet it's not such a simple answer yeah yeah i agree with you i think it is obviously has many facets to it but just from a pure i feel like the affirmative action point of view i do think that if it's if it's implemented well and we don't have like we don't keep adding multiple like you said in different states different reservations also exist I was thinking just about when she was talking about like their ability to get jobs as transgender or just how they're treated in schools as well and how parents react how schools react how teachers react I was just thinking what other ways there for them to break into mainstream education mainstream jobs either it's based on humanity and you know like people as a society we just become more accepting of each other and hence like try and provide each other equal opportunities and equal respect which obviously is a very tall order and a tough ask or it goes down the a reservation route yeah. right that you for a certain amount of years you force the reservation they're more visible than in some mainstream roles and hence that starts the normalization process for everyone mm-hmm. else as well so i did feel like it it did feel like a strong case for me to have some sort of reservation for transgender mm-hmm. yeah and you know the question that i kind of ask myself when someone is very clearly anti reservation is that why does it make us angry right like there's a huge section of people who would get angry about reservations and i always wonder are we as angry about you know quotas for uh, people who can pay money for higher education we are not hmm. so why aren't we angry about rich people having more access hmm. but we get angry about you know uh, someone who didn't have enough or someone is trying to create access for them so and we're not getting angry about increasing the size of the pie for hmm. example why aren't young people in our country or why aren't we all angry about there not being enough jobs or there not being enough higher education institutions hmm. but we all get angry about reserving seats in an iit right so i think reservation when the question arises i guess those are really sort of fundamental questions we should also ask ourselves yeah. um, before taking a stance yeah absolutely and i think most people where i've seen be really angry about the fact that reservations exist and it's not a pure merit piece i think i've just had one or two bad experiences or a couple of bad experiences either themselves by missing a cut off by a certain percentage and then seeing you know much lower cut off probably for other groups due to reservations mm. or they are seeing how quality plays out in much more technical sort of 
fields where you know you do need a certain base knowledge coming in so i do think it comes from there but without the understanding of saying how do you really solve that problem at scale then right if you're looking at it from a system lens from a country lens from a society lens like there's no answer that they have to solve the problem right it's just that when you look at it yeah. from an individual lens it could feel really unfair so i think sometimes it's also about how are people looking at the issue are they looking to solve a social problem or are they looking to say am i being treated fairly yeah and i think even when people have to take an individual lens and we all do i guess you and i also do in various situations but the question then to ask oneself is what is the idea of merit that we are believing in right mm. when i feel like i was good enough and i didn't get it i'm not recognizing that i'm good enough because i've had many many invisible privileges and access to various things which make me seem like more successful or make me seem like smarter or make me seem like i'm more intelligent yeah and those are things that that once you recognize you see the unfairness of the situation yeah and then you start to understand why this could be important yeah a lot of us go through schooling college work without ever needing to even acknowledge some of what you're saying right it only is because yeah. for example i know for me because i chanced and happened to work in the social sector and then sort of continued was the only reason i'm saying what i'm saying today otherwise i probably very easily would have been one on the other side saying merit and i have higher academics and my seat is being taken away so how do you build that awareness into education itself so everyone is acknowledging what maybe what shoulders are standing on yeah absolutely absolutely in fact you know some of these biases are so invisible and so just like not seen i am remembering a study by an academic called subdev thorat mm-hmm. i'm not sure if you've heard of him he did a study with i think a couple more people mm-hmm. where they tried to see if you had sent out your resume is to various organizations for a job for a first level screening hmm does the name on the cv have an impact on who gets a call for the interview hmm. and so we found out that there was a huge difference in the calls to upper caste sounding names versus calls to uh, not the upper caste sounding names hmm. and that tells you how much subtle sort of bias that is seeped into the system and into all our minds and all our you know everyday functioning yeah yeah absolutely in a similar study actually i remember reading was also done i think in the us based on race and i think they found a very similar finding there that based on the perceived race of the person it did impact whether their cv went forward or not just by the name and yeah there's so much data today just on education employability mobility just basis caste in india as well so it is mm. interesting for people who have very strong reservations about reservation i think i wonder if they would feel the same if they saw the data yeah and you know i'm just linking this back to the episode how do you frame a problem and and that makes a difference where you know he says that it's not the cold wave that kills people in a delhi or in north india every winter it's the lack of protection that kills people it yeah. is just how you frame the problem right and then you identify what the cause is so similarly i think in reservation you have to frame the problem better first yeah i think we can go on and on about this topic you and i if i move on to just 
you know, what have been our aha moments from these five episodes? Yes. There is one from Naresh in episode 25 where he says, positive way mein jalo kisi se. Hmm. I thought he was just so simple, funny, but so true. Yeah, I love that. I had that on my list as well where he says, it leads to ambition and it leads to that drive to want to do something. So I think another one is you were speaking about that a little bit earlier was when Mohamed Tariq said that heat and cold by itself doesn't kill anyone. It's the lack of protection that does. I mean, while it, when he said it, it's very intuitive, but it's not something that had actively occurred to me when we read somebody dying from a heat wave or dying of cold. But it's saying, no, they didn't die of that. They died because they didn't have protection. Yeah. Another one that stood out to me was Joyita, mm-hmm. where um, at the end of the conversation, very simply, she just said, you know, we're all humans and treat us as human. Hmm. That from God. Yeah. I think with Joyita, something that has really stayed with me in her episode was when she spoke about four of eight of her friends had committed suicide. I found that a really, really grave statistics and in light with what we were talking about earlier about reservations as well, it just really, that number stayed with me. Yeah. The aha moments in uh, Virin's conversation for me were um, just the small tidbits that he was sharing around what's happening in sports in the country. Like he said, number of badminton courts, I think in Hyderabad, grew from a 50 to a 600, you know, in the last, I think, five, seven years or something. So he had lots of these little tidbits here and there with all of them were aha moments, actually, for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think like the ones that really stood out for me was he spoke about in high performance sport, like at the Olympics, the difference between winning and losing could be 20 seconds or the width of a goalpost. And he shares his personal story linked to that. I think that really stayed with me Mm. to think of something, you know, we talk about the lowering the stakes and, you know, not making things high stakes and you can't get more high stakes than that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go look up the eager report that Erin Ganju spoke about. It sounded like they have some really interesting data and insights. That's one thing I'm going to go to room to read to check out. Yeah. And I also thought that at the scale they operate in like 15 countries to have a reading growth of two to three times in a room to read classroom versus not I found it quite impressive and I really want to go back and see more and try and observe more also of what they do but that's quality at scale was quite interesting I think with Mohammed Tariq and another thing that stood out to me was when he spoke about them having this my space so a a room in the home where anyone could do anything and they had paints, etc, etc. They had, I mean, you could use that space to do whatever you wanted. And the fact that people chose to sleep because they felt safe in that space, I think that really stayed with me. I would have never guessed that people would choose to sleep there when you have so many other options. But when he explained of how having safe sleep is so uncommon, whether you're staying on the streets or in these homes, I think that is also something that stayed with me. Yeah, Narish's narrative on his confidence, where hmm. he says, confidence or overconfidence, dono hai, ki kuch na kuch kar lunga. That was quite powerful. Hmm. I think one more thing from Joita Mandel, I think when she, she spoke about like what she tells people that oftentimes, and I know I've probably thought about it, I've heard people say that when we see people begging on the road, transgenders or anyone begging on the road like there's always a thought or a comment from somewhere somewhere saying that you know why don't they go and work somewhere and I think it was very powerful for me to hear her say that she asks people would you give that person a job 
and if you wouldn't then that's probably your answer of why they're not working somewhere i found that very powerful yeah that's true so on that note then i think we've had a quick chat on all the different things that stood out from these five episodes and as always i'm looking forward to chatting with you after another five episodes yes and i'm looking forward to the next five episodes hoping and actually absolutely sure that they will be as fun and diverse and interesting thank you renal thank you kanika thank you for listening to this episode do let us know what you thought about this format we plan to do a bookmarks episode after every five interviews we'd love to include your questions reactions and thoughts into these bookmarks episodes so do share them with us on any social media platform or via email and as always do subscribe and follow our podcast pages on social media or on your podcast listening platforms meet you soon till then take care